Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right. Um, welcome to the show today. Uh, Pastor Russ and myself are still all alone with nobody else to supervise our misbehaviors. Yep. yep. So we apologize in advance. Pastor, um, I'm pointing in the room and nobody yep. can see me. Yep. I was not going to say anything <laughs> after your brutal attack yesterday. So Pastor uh, Phil and Pastor Jonathan are not with us today. Hopefully, which makes you think that they're wiser than than what they let on. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and we and we prove that, don't we? Yes, yes. The more we talk, yes, we do. Um, so we've been going through the the book of Psalms, um, but there, how how has in your Christian pilgrimage, how have the Psalms specifically versus other books of the Bible? How have the Psalms impacted you? Um. I just went through the Psalms again in a study in our church, and what I found probably the most nourishing for me is all of Scripture speaks of God. All of Scripture um, relates to our experiences as we journey here on earth as God's people. But there's something unique about the Psalms of how it just melds those together, Um, a, a view towards God and a view towards life and our experiences that are intertwined in such an organic, natural way um, that made them so relevant, um, pertinent, um, accessible. Um, I would say that there is an experiential aspect to the Psalms that touches um, the experiences of where we are that might be unique to this section of the scriptures, I, I think all of scripture is, but there's something um, about the Psalms that, um, I don't know, maybe just seems more um, attainable to to connect the theology with the practicality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's great. You know, I, our church, uh, the well, uh, we're reformed in the way that we think about salvation, which shorthand we're, we're, we're Calvinists and um, so in our circles what is treasured and loved is the book of Romans right um, and and for for good reason but I've said it like this to people the book of Romans is like the vehicle that takes you to the mountains of the Psalms because if if all you can do is explain the way that you um, are saved, and even if you get it right, but you're not enjoying God like the psalmist is doing, mm-hmm. then you're missing out on what Christianity is. I mean, the devils are great theologians. Mm-hmm. I mean, they know theology better than we do, but they don't love God. The psalmist is giving us language to love and to experience him and to- And to worship. And to worship him. Yep. Exactly. All right, well, we are in Psalm 133. 
And here's what it says. A song of ascents of David. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. So a couple of analogies here, right? Um, unity, he says uh, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It's like the precious oil running down the beard. What, what is he talking about here, this precious oil that's running down the beard? How is that, how is that a pleasant, good thing? I, I just get the imagery of oil running down my face. I don't think I would like that very much. So it's the idea of when, um, in this case, priests were anointed, um, kings were anointed, they would pour oil on their, their head um, so it's a joyous occasion. Um, it's signaling um, God's blessing upon that individual, that office. Um, and, and it was so, a special formula of oil too, yep, right? Like yep. it wasn't to be copied for any other use, a special mixture. You're looking at me like I'm out of my mind. No, no, there's, there's, no this is, this is reminding, mix- my, <laughs> reminding me of a college experience. Um, I, I was as one year when I was in college, I had a friend of mine come to me and say, "Hey, I want to make a road trip um, to Bozeman, Montana." Um, I was in Northwest Iowa, so what we were going to do is we were going to leave um, Friday after classes and drive to Bozeman, so he could spend Saturday and Sunday with his girlfriend, and then get leave after church on Sunday and drive back. And I had said to him, I have to be back for my 7.45 in the morning class on, on Monday morning. And so we drove out to um, Bozeman, Montana, in this Mercury Zephyr, and it, it struggled as a vehicle. Um, it wasn't a great car, and we had some issues with the car on our way out. And his girlfriend was a little bit more charismatic, and before we made our journey back to Iowa, she had gotten her anointing oil out. And I, so when Josh is talking about anointing with oil, <laughs> the only picture I have in my head is her with this bottle of oil anointing. Special this, blend, right? Yes. Anointing this mercury zephyr. Um, oh, she <clears throat> actually anointed the car. Yes, she did. Yes, she did. So sorry, that's where I, my mind went. Yeah, no, <laughs> I thought I thought I was like forgetting the Old Testament here for a moment. Well, I mean, that could be too. But well, so you 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 said that this this was a, a celebratory time when so the fragrance in the room would have been in one sense alien to anything that they mm-hmm. were experiencing. It was a time when God's priest, the the man that would represent the the nation or the church to God was being anointed. So it was this great time. And and he is um, comparing that time of oil running down Aaron's beard to brothers who dwell in unity. So that's really the theme, right? Yeah, and in the opening verse, it's good. There's an intrinsic value to it, and it's pleasant, it, the, the experience of it. Yeah. Um, and so he, it, really what it's saying is unity um, both has of an interest, intrinsic value. Yeah. Um, it's good, but we experience it. We we ex- um, we enjoy the 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 value of it in real time and space. And, and conversely, when we don't have unity, that's right. It's bad. Yep. And it's it's like a curse. 
So um, what kind of unity is he? So so we're sitting across the, the table from one another. We, we're at different churches. You're in a denomination. Kind of maybe six feet apart. Let's yeah. just say we are. Yeah, yeah. With Matt. No, we're not wearing masks. Um, but you um, – <laughs> you um, so you're in a denomination. I'm in an independent church. We agree on, on a lot of things, mm-hmm. but there are some things that we disagree on. Are we not – are we not dwelling in unity because of our disagreements? Yeah, this is sometimes the difficulty. People want to say that unity means conformity. Um, or uniformity. Uniformity. I mean, but there still is diversity in unity. Um, God is not making clones. Uh, what this means is that what we do is we appreciate the differences that we do have. We don't sweep them under the rug. I mean, Josh and I talk all the time about different theological um, viewpoints and and beliefs. And like you said, yeah, I would say probably 90% of our theological bearings are the same. But that doesn't mean that the 10% then causes a wedge between a friendship. It doesn't mean that we just pretend like they're not there. Yeah. What it means is that we share something in common because I am not just a believer, I am a child of God that's united to Jesus Christ. I'm in union with him. And Jesus Christ, Josh is also a child of God united to Christ. And so what that means is both of us are part of the body of Christ. And so Christ doesn't have multiple bodies. He has one body. And within that body, there is some room for disagreement. Yeah. There is some room for differences. Yeah. But um, it matters how we disagree. It does. It means we do so with love. It means we do so with humility and with respect. Um, it, it means that, of course, my church holds certain positions, and I think they're right. Because if I didn't, I would belong to a different church. Right. So it's okay to say, I think my church is right. Right. Um, I would hope that everybody <laughs> would say that would say about that. their own church. That's just logic. That's not controversy. That's right. not arrogance. That's just that's what we're doing. Yeah. But at the same time that we hold those views with humility saying but I might be wrong. Mm-hmm. And in dialogue with other people, I will continue to analyze and take my beliefs back to scripture and say, "Okay, are they providing a, a more biblical place? Yeah. And I think that's the work that we need to continue to be a part of, of humility, having conversations, and continually saying, I hope I, I'm standing on biblical principles and incorrect, but I'm willing to admit when I, I might not be. You know, one of the New Testament places that's so good at um, explaining what true unity looks like is Romans 14. Mm-hmm. And it opens up with with saying essentially, you know, uh, welcome one another, but not to quarrel over opinions. And then he gives the reason for it. Uh, why should you welcome one another, even when you have differences of opinions? Because Christ has welcomed you. Mm-hmm. Now think about that. Think about the logic, the gospel logic of that. When you became a Christian, or even right now, um, how many things do you disagree with Jesus about? Mm. 
not that you consciously necessarily disagree mm-hmm. with Jesus about, but your everyday life, you're going to sin, which that's a disagreement with Jesus. And then you know yourself that you have grown, hopefully that you've grown theologically, that some of the views that you had when you were a younger Christian are now changed and matured. And yet, did was Christ waiting for you to catch up to him before he welcomed you and loved you? No, mm-hmm. he loved you in spite of those disagreements that you had with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And now he's turning that into an ethic and saying, now you welcome one another, even as Christ has welcomed you. Ephesians 4 says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling in which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit of the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. The key word there is one, unity. Well, how do we get that? Well, the basis is just as there's unity, Trinitarian unity, verses 4 through 6, there's a call to then be humble, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Um, It's just another way of saying that we have to be in step with the Spirit. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, when Paul goes over this doctrine in 1 Corinthians 1, he lays out the doctrine of our union with Christ in the first few verses, and then he goes to the problem the Corinthians had. Some said, I follow Paul, I follow Paulus. And the first question he asks is, is Christ divided? Mm -hmm. Meaning, he's saying, look, you already are one in Christ. Are you saying that Christ has multiple heads over multiple different bodies? No, it's it's ridiculous. And so there's this doctrine of of our position and our condition. Our our position is that we are one in Christ. Our condition is is that we are to work and maintain that unity. And I would say that that last part, that we maintain it. Just do some self-evaluation. Is there anything that I'm doing or saying that's breaking the bond of fellowship within my local church body? And then just pray that God would, by His Spirit, do a work that would help you to be more patient and humble and kind. Amen. 